0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: It's a brand-new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of. Those, I was there when Arsenal actually scored a gold t shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arsecast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thanks for being here. As always, it's been a pretty quiet week, all things considered, from an Arseblog perspective. But, but, the transfer window is open. I was actually looking for something a bit more of a, a fanfare. Anybody out there do... Duolingo do you do languages on Duolingo you do your lessons and then you get the fanfare you get da-da, da-da, when you do the uh, the exercises something like that but of course I didn't want to rip off Duolingo because well you know their icon is an owl and frankly owls are terrifying to me and he looks cute and he looks cuddly and he's teaching you Spanish or Italian or German or whatever it might be but if you cross him Who knows what he might do with his his massive owl beak and his, his long, muscly legs and his claws and those super sharp teeth and the dorsal fin. And I could be just getting my owls mixed up. I'm sort of amalgamating things, I fear, into the shape of an owl. Look, the point is, the window is open, and already it is fucking mental. It's crazy. It's gone bananas bananas you know as Arsenal fans and look I don't think it's just Arsenal fans it would be unfair for me to say this is just Arsenal fans because it's not it's football fans in general but you know my exposure to fans of other teams is is pretty limited and the few people I follow on Twitter etc that follow other teams tend to be pretty sensible but of course within the Uh, many Arsenal followers that I have, stuff gets retweeted into your timeline. You can see stuff happening online. And so my exposure to the craziness is is pretty much all Arsenal related. So we've done stuff like track flights and I think many people can do that. It's very easy, of course, because you just download the old Flight 24, Flight Radar 24 app on your phone and in a very normal, extremely normal way, in fact, you sit there and you look at all the flights that are taking off from an airport near, where a potential Arsenal transfer might be coming from and you see... (gasps) There's a private jet and it's taking off and it's heading towards Luton Airport. This must be it. Let's track the flight. Well, we've done that. We've, you know, gleaned information by following the friends, family and sometimes even children of associated people, players, agents uh, on social media, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever the hell it might be. People have also been able to identify a location based on the kind of plants and vegetation that are there. We have tree experts and grass experts and even people who can read clouds. That's true. They can read clouds, cloud formations in pictures that could be identified based on the weather in a certain area at a certain time cross-reference with other pictures and who knows what on Google Maps, like it's all out there. It's all out there. But the transfer window was open just one day and already we have taken this shit to a new level, a whole new level. NFL linebacker Micah Kaiser, I think that's how you pronounce his name, sent out a tweet. Arsenal fans are extremely passionate, in brackets, insane. Please take your grievances with your team's management out on someone else. Sincerely, my Instagram comments and DMs. Thank you. Why has this guy been singled out? Well, he plays for the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams are owned by KSE. KSE own Arsenal. But why that guy? Why that guy in particular? Why is he the one that all those comments and DMs are being sent to? What do people want him to do? To march into the office of the LA Rams, demand to speak to Stan and Josh Kroenke and tell him, look, sort out the transfer business at Arsenal or I won't back your line or whatever it is that a a linebacker does. They're kind of defensive guys, I think. Not a big NFL person. But there you go. This is one day, one day into the transfer window And random NFL players are complaining because Arsenal fans are bombarding them with messages on social media. What is it going to be like by August 31st, by the end of the transfer window? What kind of a state is the world going to be in after Arsenal fans online unleash themselves on the most unsuspecting victims? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if by August 31st we had tanked the value of Bitcoin to the point where it's like one penny a Bitcoin. Somehow we've made foxes extinct and Yves Bissouma is still not an Arsenal player, which, of course, everybody will be perfectly calm and rational about. Well, it's all ahead of us. A big summer to come. And, of course, we do have some distractions. European Championships starting Friday. Today, Friday, if you're listening to this today, uh, on Friday. Yesterday, Friday, if you're listening on Saturday. When I'm recording, it's tomorrow, Friday. So, But Friday, that's when the European Championships are starting plenty to get our teeth into there. Every player that we watch, that we like, he will become an instant transfer target. And as and when interest in those players develops via the fan base, we can, of course, then send DMs to various players at various KSE teams. So, you know, the Colorado Rapids, the LA Rams, the Denver Nuggets, Colorado Avalanche, and whatever the hell else they have. I don't know. What's their lacrosse team called? I couldn't tell you. Uh, Right. Let's get on with the show. I'm delighted to welcome have a chat about stuff and things. Uh, Always great to have him on. It's Clive Palmer. Hi, Clive. Hello. How are you doing? I am all right. Thank you very much. Now, um... Transfer windows open at last, at long last. The day we've all been waiting for is here, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it, it is a bit mad already. Are, are, are you um, sort of biding your time? Are you jumping straight into the lunacy? How are, you, how are you planning on coping between now and August 31st? Because it started pretty hot and heavy. Uh, so
2: well, what's it going to be like in three months' time? So I've grown up over the years. There was a time mm. when of Vieira ruined all my summer holidays <laughs> with the you know, to and froing, And I just, like, just, just ruined, ruined months. And every single rumour, I used to just lose myself in it. And um, so now I lose myself in every single rumour with a little bit more maturity and uh, normally a, a YouTube. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> for those that follow me, I always post them out. So, um yeah, I actually really enjoyed this period. I really do. What, I think it's key. What is it about it that you actually enjoy? Is it the sort of
1: the the speculation that you know? How could you rebuild the team if you look at it? You know, you imagine you're in charge and you think, well, how would I do this? How would I do that? Is it about uh, you know knowledge or gaining knowledge of of potential targets? Um, you know, because there's a there's a line between um, you know healthy discussion of transfers and and what the team needs and what might be good for us or what might not be good for us. And some of the stuff, you know, where people are DMing NFL players because of Kroenke, you know what I mean? So what is it about this period that you actually enjoy? Is it the, the sort of, um, the
2: hope in a way? I think it's the, I'm, I'm a bit of somebody that loves organizational change. So this is the time when we change stuff Mm. and, um, And we've been ready for this change for a couple of years. And um, this is the time I think COVID slowed this down. And now it's here. And now we've got a lot of work to do. So I find it really exciting. When we lose a a said target that we went in for, then the the reaction to that is a little bit um, interesting, shall we say. But one thing I absolutely know for certain, whatever happens, there is not a shortage of talent out there. There really isn't. I've learned about... 20 new players in the last two weeks that I just wasn't thinking about, didn't Mm. even know about. And now I want them in the team. And that's (laughs) going to continue throughout the the next couple of months. And um, So, yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I enjoy the... The, we're all mini coaches, aren't we? All mini coaches, mini scouts, mini managers. Yeah. So, well, we like to think we, we are. <laughs> yeah, we're fans. We love, we We yeah. pick a team. We know exactly what to do. We never get our substitutions wrong, do we? I mean, we don't get that wrong. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> like, um, we're,
1: we're, we're all captain <laughs> hindsight in that regard.
2: <laughs> we are brilliant at that. And so I, I enjoyed this period where just I want to see where the club's going. And joking aside, we all know how important this summer is because I think it's informational to see what direction we're going Yeah. from a, a player pool perspective. And how we've been for maybe two to three years, we've tried to do a bit of renewal on and off the pitch. It hasn't quite worked. Mm. We haven't sustained it. We've had some instability in all different layers of the club. And now we're looking to renew again and remove some of the senior leadership on the pitch, not just off the pitch, yeah. and um, and I think that's going to make it totally refreshing for many of us. and um, So, yeah, so I'm excited about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, whatever you think of what last season was, whatever you think of Michel Arteta or whatever you think of Edu, and everyone has their own opinions and they vary across the fan base. So, you know, I'm not telling anyone what they should and shouldn't think. We can all think what we want. Maybe the one thing we would all agree on is that this summer is going to tell us a lot because, you know, when when stuff happens, I think we sometimes... We look at it um, as a thing on its own without applying as much context to it as we we should. So I'm thinking of someone like Gendouzi and everyone's going crazy because Marseille are only paying us 10 million or whatever it might be. And people go, well, that's terrible. But I think you have to look at the context of that situation where, you know, uh, Gendouzi is where he is because of what happened with him. And maybe it's something we could have done better. But at the same time, if all we've got is a £10 million offer from Marseille and nobody else is bidding, sure, we have to take some responsibility for that, but it's not as if there are countless other clubs out there knocking down the door for someone like Guendouzi, right? But, but this summer will tell us a lot about the capabilities of uh, Edu and Arteta to um, identify players, how, how, how they can potentially attract players Because we don't have Europe. We can't sell them on Champions League. We can't sell them on Champions League bonuses. And, you know, players love their money. And I'm not saying that's their only motivation, but 38-game season... You know, if you've got six Champions League games and potentially, you know, four more, six more if you're lucky or, or better, you know, that's that's a really enticing thing. I mean, there is this project to sell them on. So what they do this summer will, as you say, give us a real indication of, of how they're going to operate and, and what way they're going to operate. And I think what we're looking for is something different, right? Something new, something innovative, something that's not quite the same as what we've seen. I mean, could this be potentially the most left field
2: transfer window that we've seen in a long time. I've got a funny feeling it will be. And okay. I'm, I'm generally an optimistic person, right? But Mm. you know, from a football side of things, I I support the players. I support the club. But as you well know, there, there's a a game being played by Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City that we can't play. Mm. So we are not technical enough. We're not dynamic enough. And that's it, we, and we know this, we know this, and so we need to change it. We need to change it, we need to run with the big boys, we need to play with them. That means we need to change dynamics of the team. It's not just physical, it's about your agility, how you move, the intention to play, the courage by which you play, the bravery by which you play, mm. the forward thinking, the forward direction by which you play. If you do these things and have people in your club at the right stage of their football development, People have got something to do, something to prove. Not Mm. people that have been to a bigger club that are looking to come back to play for us because it's in the right city. That is not not how you build culture. That is not how you build a high-performance environment. You need people at the right curve in their career. And it's not just their ages. It's their career development. And we've all had jobs in our life, and we've all. Had, well, and I always say we have those prime working years. And those are the years when you will work 14 hours a day. Those are the years when you will do anything you can to get the money that you need to support yourself or your family. Mm. You have your prime working years, and we need players at the right stage of their careers to actually come to Arsenal and say, yeah, I want to do something here. And I think understanding player motivation is very important. It's not just about your FB ref stats, right? It's not just about that. It's about where you are as an individual alongside your technical and physical and um, skills, which we all know and debate. Mm. Right? So um, I think as a, as a management, Arteta's at that stage in his career where he needs to do something. You know, mm. everything is in front of him. His whole next career is in front of him. And he needs to think about that when he's bringing some players in, thinking about where they are in their curve. And, and there's a couple that maybe he hasn't done so well in the past, but there's a couple that he has done really well with. And um, I'm interested to see the type of player he brings in in the next few weeks.
1: That is going to be really interesting to me because, you know, I think maybe as a young, inexperienced manager, you look to offset some of that by having experience in your team and experience in your dressing room you know yeah. and i think it's pretty easy for arteta who's only retired as a player a few years to look at certain individuals in the you know who who have been in the team and who he did put a lot of faith in um to some extent or another because he's not too far removed from them in terms of age and he thinks maybe well look when i was at that age this is the kind of person this is the kind of player i was this is what i think they can bring and there is inherent risk in, in any transfer in any, uh, you know, deal that you do and how you build your squad, et etc. et cetera. But I mean, do you feel like Arteta could. How do I say this properly? Um, generate more patience, more goodwill, more understanding from a fan base, which is I think it's fair to say somewhat split. On him after the season that we've had. If he were to do the kind of deals and bring in the kind of players this summer that suggest at least a medium term strategy is in place rather than the sort of chasing your tail, desperately trying to hang on kind of signings that we've made to get ourselves back into the Champions League as quickly as possible. And what they've done essentially is push us further away from the Champions League. We we, yeah. we brought in certain individuals because we said, well, we think we have the bones. If we can just add a bit of experience, you know, we should be able to get ourselves over the line. And what that experience has done is is sort of Helped us. Help is the wrong word, but I think it has contributed to the stagnation. So if you bring yeah. in players of a certain profile this summer, which suggests, okay, we're going not young, young, but young-ish, you know, not 18, but maybe 22, 23, those kind of ages where they're heading towards, you know, the best years of their career. They've had some time to develop and they're now ready to to take another step. You know, I think that would yeah. probably
2: buy him more time or at least understanding I think the key there is understanding I think in a, in two to three months time I for him to really make some progress with the fan base I don't think there should be any debate about what we are or what we're trying to be any mm. longer because if you look at a list of players that could go and we all read the stuff right so mm. Gareth is about to go any minute and David Luiz is gone William supposedly will go and Bellerin, a long-term player, potentially will go. We talk about senior leaders in the dressing room, and so that means we're going in direction. That means leadership is going to go to other people, and the other new people will step up, like Tierney and Party, and potentially Gabrielle, and other players that will step up and really fill the void that we're going to actually go through in the moment. And, and I'm all for that. I'm mm. all for that, but there must be. Okay, now I know what we're doing. Because what we did before, we didn't quite commit. We bought these older guys, the Lichsteiners, the Socrates, and William Cedric, etc. We bought these older guys, and we had this group of younger guys. Yeah, and we had a we had a void in the middle. You know, you know the score, Andy. Some of those guys in the middle were either in departure lounge, in themselves mentally, they're demotivated, or they hadn't, like Pepe, hadn't quite arrived yet, not quite adjusted yet. So there's this gap in the middle of prime age players. Young players that we overburdened mm. and old players you know counting the cash on front of their beds right so um <laughs> so that's not really conducive to a champions league team you know because I keep, I say it all the time you know it's our goals are not aligned you've got people thinking different things about where they are right so mm. once we get a group that everyone's aligned in the same way, arteta has got his new set of disciples. Then we've got a chance, right? We've got a chance. And if we can all see it from the outside in, yeah. And say, Well, yeah, we've got these younger players who we all know and love. We've added some 22, 23 year olds on top of them, you know, and we've still got our experience forwards there. I can see what we're trying to do here. Yeah. I can see the dynamics by which we want to play. I can see the sort of animals we're looking to to bring in. And that's that's what I'm hoping for at the end of this. I'm hoping for absolute clarity. I don't care what it is. I want to be able to see it. It can't be a debate. You mm. It can't be a debate anymore. This is what we're doing. This is how long it's going to take. Because I can look at the ages. I can look at the contract lengths. And I can see where the investment is. And I can go, okay, now I know what we're about. All right. So at the moment, if I was to ask you that question – you couldn't answer it because we know we're in flux. yeah. And then we can talk about how we attack, how we defend, how we build play. It'll be more consistent in our conversations because we can see who the pillars of the new team will be.
1: I think that's a really interesting aspect of what's going to happen. Um, you know, it's not like all the senior players are going. You know, Aubameyang will still be there probably. You know, I'm, I think he's a popular guy. I'm not sure he is the archetypal leader. You know he's the captain, uh, and I think he's well respected. But I don't think he, you know, it's. I don't think it's natural to him. And I don't. I don't I'm not saying that as uh, criticism or or any kind of criticism of him. You know, but we saw. I think you made this point a few weeks ago on on Arsenal Vision that when when the players got together to discuss the the COVID reaction to um you know raising money for the NHS it was Hector Bellerin when it was the the yeah. wage cuts it was Hector Bellerin you know this isn't natural for Aubameyang. so when you take away some of the the leaders who are in there Granit Xhaka I think is one um, yeah. not an official captain because of what happened but I think very much viewed by the players as as one of those leaders in the dressing room and respected whether people w- want to like that or not David Luiz another one again maybe he 's not to your taste maybe he 's not, but he he had that presence and he had that ability you know within the dressing room on the training ground, etc, et etc cetera, et cetera. So I think one of the really interesting aspects of of what 's going to happen this summer is like. You know, are we going to bring in players who might fill that gap themselves, or are those roles going to be filled by people from within? I mean, you mentioned Kieran Tierney as somebody who, who could definitely step up and be one of those leaders within the dressing room. He has that character, you know, uh, I think we can all see that, but there are still some spaces for others to come in and, and stake a bit of a claim there. And, you know, personally, I have to say, like, I, I can recognize that in Jackie in Louise, these are guys who are natural leaders, captains of their country and whatever. But also the fact that under their leadership, and I'm not putting it all down to them, you know, we, have, we haven't achieved what we wanted to achieve or should be achieving as a football club. So I, I don't think you can be scared to lose something that
2: hasn't necessarily worked. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think those guys are, Fine, fine players, fine young men, but they've led us to a point, and I don't think they can lead us any further. Mm. Right? We've seen all the mistakes we need to see. We've seen all the manner matches we need to see. When you have your man and matches, we know exactly how good you can be. Right, And you can say, well, be careful what you wish for. Well, you know what? I wish for something better. That's what I wish for. I wish for something better, and I think I understand what that looks like. And I must admit, I have been really encouraged. I know they're just links by some of the names that we've been linked to because they meet the sort of thought processes that I have uh, technically and physically. And I'm not afraid of renewal. I, I generally am not. I, I want it to happen. I think it's important for an organization to, to have this renewal, to freshen itself up, to find things which have been laying dormant amongst mm. the group that have not been exercised because they, everyone falls into their role. If you change their people's roles by removing certain pillars that have an extra influence on the culture, so you then spread you spread things slightly differently, and, I, and I'm I'm just encouraged by that. And I I hope that people realise we got to we got to get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. That's the key thing. Let these guys go from your mind. Don't get too fixated by them. Let them go and then see what comes next. And don't be afraid of it. You know, it's really important. That's how change works. Yeah. That's Sh- how change works.
1: You know? Shaka is a good example of this, you know, oh. in in some of the reaction I've seen online this week. And, you know, I, I think it's time. I think it makes all the sense in the world at this point, given he's going to have two years left on his contract. He's going to be nearly, he's going to turn 29 in September. You know, this is the time to sell. And one of the issues I think we have had as a club is is not knowing when to sell players. We maybe had the opposite thing with Arsene Wenger in that, in our minds, he sold certain players a little bit too soon. I think yeah. ultimately, you know, he was probably proven right on, on most of them in terms of, you know maybe some of their their powers were waning but it felt to us as fans that we were letting them go too soon in recent years it feels like we don't let them go soon enough and i don't need to reel off all the names of players who've stayed to see out their contracts to leave for nothing when they could have generated you know tens of millions of pounds for us like i wouldn't have liked to lose aaron ramsey but would I prefer to lose Aaron Ramsey for £35 million pounds or Aaron Ramsey for free? Well, £35 million. Pounds. Danny Welbeck, you know, how do you not make some money on a player like Danny Welbeck, Jack Wilshere, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So that is one of the things we have to get smart about. And that, I think, is going to be another indicator of of the uh, the efficacy of, of Edu in the role that he is in and Mikel Arteta in the role that he is in as somebody with what we assume is basically the ultimate authority in terms of who stays, who goes, who comes in, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. in making decisions on these guys uh, at a time, like you say, where we might feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable by it.
2: We need to do it. But back I don't like looking back very often. I, I really don't because I, I was having a discussion the other day. I think some of some of our recent history, particularly in Bengal's early years, was so good that, we can't get back to it. So we always look back at that and it's never going to meet our expectations. I, I try to look forward as much as I can, but there was a time that every time we sold a player, it was a year too soon. It was heartbreaking to see him go, mm. okay, Man City stole them or um, we took them, took them abroad, etc. But looking back, that's exactly how it should happen. If a player's going like Shaka, and people are debating his, his quality, this is good. Right? The, the price may not be what we all want, but it's better to have him sitting there too long, we watch his decline on our books, and then watch him get to a point in his in his contract length
3: mm.
2: and say, you know what, I'm going to stay here now, and I'm going to prepare my next move, and Arthur will pay for it. You know, and yeah. they if want me to go, they're going to have to pay me off. That's where we have been. That's what Arteta had to do at Christmas. And that's what we've done in January. we pay paid people off. There's probably still a couple to do yet still. And that is not healthy. You can't build anything forward thinking with that, no. those type of people around. And, and so you have to be smart. And I, I'll give an example. I don't like using other teams as an example, but when people want to get you out of their club, they treat you terribly. The young player at Chelsea, Tammy Abraham, good player, was doing quite well, deemed not part of their squad. Team not part of their team. He's, he was an English international. He's not even getting in their squad on their biggest games. They have told him. The message is, you're not part of this. There's none of this fancy danning about saying, well, you know, we're not sure we're going to play here, play there. No, you're not playing. You're not playing. The message is absolutely clear, right? And so it's up to him what he does. But it's absolutely clear. And that's when you don't have people squatting around the club taking money, and actually just not helping us going forward. We're not getting any money back. Mm. And some of these players, they they con us, Andrew, I'm afraid, mate. They they con <laughs> us and they say, oh, we love the club. We don't want to stay, blah, blah, blah. we the contract with this, contract that. Nah. The club offers them contracts. They don't want to take them. They want to manipulate the situation because because of avoiding our leadership and maybe some absentee ownership, et cetera. They feel as though they can. And they have done, and that is down to us. That is down to us and how we manage them and how we manage situations. So hopefully with new employee like Richard Garlic, for example, that will sharpen up. Mm-hmm. And we will not be taking a Mickey out of and um and we can we can develop something that we can be a bit Bit more proud of because I'm not very proud of some of these actions. Yeah, no, I think that's I
1: think that's fair. And the one thing I would say about it, you know, looking back, I don't know that you can properly fix what's wrong or what you've done wrong unless you do look back. I I know what you mean about looking back and thinking we have to replicate this or this is what we need to do. But you know, just in terms of self reflection, um, you know, or self assessment or whatever you want to call it, um, I, I do think it's important. What do you make of the fee for for Xhaka? Like they're talking somewhere between. 18 and 20 million euros again i i feel like there's this weird thing where we expect players that we don't like to be sold at the very top of the market despite the fact we don't want them anymore we've made it very clear we don't want them anymore and we view them as flawed individuals flawed players error strewn eejits whatever you want to call it but when it comes to selling them, it's like, well, no, we need, you know, we must get ten million more than that for this guy that we don't like. You know, it is a yeah. bit of a strange one. I understand the need and the want to maximize revenue, but I, I also think there's a need to be realistic about what we can generate for for some of the players, particularly the ones that I think everybody knows we wanna we wanna move
2: on. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I'm all I'm all right there, Andrew, to be honest. I, I'm all right. I think there were opportunities to sell some players last summer and we held on for ones and twos these millions and like, and we've, we've not done anything with it. ainsley and mm. niles being one potentially and there are rumours of Lacazette, there are rumours of Eddie and Ket, yeah, There's a few rumours out there. I'm not sure what's true, but my feeling is you know, we maybe held on for too much money in the market which really wasn't positive. Mm. There was a KPMG report out the other day talking about the wealth of the top 20 clubs in in the world, and every one of them have lost eighty to a hundred million, and and, then, mm. and we expect them all to go and spend three hundred million. You know, so <laughs> there is going to be some sort of market contraction. The problem is, though, every time we go to sell a player, the price looks low. When we go to buy a player, the price seems right back at the old market level. Yeah, uh, which I find really frustrating, considering we're not in Europe anymore. And we're just a mid-table club, so like, I find that really frustrating. But. I think, let's just say, these are just rumors at the moment, and these things need to settle down, and I'm hoping that we're smart enough, negotiation-wise, that we can get the price that we need. But I'm okay with these selling prices. What I'm not okay with is stagnation, and, and that's I think they've finally realised they cannot afford to stagnate any longer.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Everyone's getting fired if we continue to stagnate. Fine, I mean, on. that's the, <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. You know, if it's yeah. like this next season, we need a new manager. We probably need a new technical director. So, you know, um, and this
2: that's, is it. Do yeah. it. You know, what needs to happen? This should this needs to be a no excuse environment. Let's be honest, mate. We'll be on podcast through the start of next season, and we know do well in the first five games. It's going to be uproar. Yeah, going to be uproar. There's, there's no Europe to worry about. So less midweek games. I'm expecting 38 cup finals, and I'm expecting their manager to fix all the issues that he had last season, and I expect a whole new set of players. <laughs> <laughs> Not much, <laughs> and, and, and they all better be good on day one. <laughs> and they can't yeah. block the path for the younger players. They can't do that because yeah. we love them, right? So, um, <laughs> and that's where we are. And I, I say that flippantly because that's where fan expectations are. Now, this will settle down and they have to manage us with clear messaging, but it can't lack clarity, this messaging this time. It it really can't. It's now or never because, you know what, I will not be standing in a corner defending Arteto if, if this doesn't work out this year and nobody will. We're talking no. for Christmas, we're talking changes, aren't we?
1: Change. Yeah for sure and look I, again I come back to context I think there's a lot going on and there has been a lot going on at Arsenal and in the world which has you know provided some kind of cover for Arteta you know yeah. there's no two ways about that but this is the moment of truth this is the summer of truth and next season you know is the season of truth for him um, you know in terms of this job I don't think this will be his last job or anything like it but you know progress we have to see progress it's it's simple as that if we don't see progress you know um, regardless of what we do i mean we could we could all be sitting uh, at the start of the season hating what we did we could hate it but if it works if it works then that's that's the only metric that really counts you know what i mean yeah, um, exactly. so you know we we go and see what um
2: we got we got a way to go yet yeah. we we got i'm sorry to say to your to your listeners <laughs> we've got uh, we've got more ...feelings of loss, doubt and discomfort coming up. Because as players go that you may like... ...and then you're wondering about how they're going to be replaced... ...the doubts will soon rush over you. And then once you get comfortable with that discomfort... Then we'll move on to the okay, this could be quite good as we start to see players come in. Yeah. And we, we go for that almost, they call it the discovery phase. This could be good. The anticipation. This could be good. This could be good. <laughs> and that's where I am. I'm already there, I'm assuming. But, um, but people need to go through that. And, you know, I always say respect to everyone's process, how they process football, and how they see football. And um, we've got a little way to go yet, mate, I'm afraid.
1: What are, what are you going to do when Basuma signs for somebody else? <laughs>
2: Well, I'm like, I'm really mature telling everybody, don't get fixated on certain players. Don't do it. It's not going to be good for you. But deep down, I'm thinking, please, please, please give me game. Please give me game. So, like, I I am starting to look around. When the Brendia thing fell, fell down, mm. I decided to have a real good look around at different players. And that's what it really helped me, actually. There, there's so many good players out there. And... There's lots of people that know them. Every time I put something out there, everyone knows who they are. Yeah. You know, so um and so yeah, it's difficult to not have favourites. It really is. Sure. When when you see the issues in your team, you think, well, this guy can fix it. I've decided that's it. But there are other people that can do it in a slightly different way. But there are certain skill sets that um need to be here. You know, they need to have a level of agility. You know, a level of um you heard me say it before they have got to be able to kick the football. You know, it sounds crazy, but the game is the game is becoming far more positional and zonal and you've got to be able to move across zones, you know, you know, not just carrying the ball. We've got some good carriers. We've got to be able to move the ball quickly from side to side to, to change the point of the attack and we've got to have players that could do that, you know, to stress teams and let's be honest, we haven't scored enough goals. Mm. That's that's because we we're too easy ozy. We're too slow in our build up. We don't we don't stress people individually, we don't stress people moving the ball long distances. And so we rely on individuals and most of those individuals have been under the age of twenty, which yeah. is a which is a concern, to really stand up and, and do something. So I think and when I see those attributes come in, I'll be quite excited about the possibilities of a decent coach, which I think most of us think he's not a bad coach actually doing something different with this group. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited by that.
1: Where do you... Um, midfield is like a really key building block this summer, obviously, because we could see, you know, in our mind's eye anyway, everyone bar Thomas Partey could go for one reason or another. Guendouzi, we know Torreira, whatever happens with him, he you know, he doesn't look happy here or doesn't seem happy. So whether he's sold or loaned... Um, Joe Willock, if the big offer came in, you know, we'd be tempted, I'm sure. Almeny, a year left, maybe we'd take some money for him. So, like, midfield is where you get this real uh, potential to, to rebuild. And everyone thinks that we are going to do it with signings. And look, I'm not saying that we don't need signings in midfield. Clearly we do, and I want them to happen. But can you see a scenario where maybe at least one of those places, depending on the formation, the system that we play is filled from within. And I'm thinking of Bakayo Saka and Emile Smith-Rowe in particular as two players who could potentially operate in a midfield three.
2: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how those two young lads develop. You know, Are they going to develop forward as forwards or develop backwards? One of them I think is going to develop into being one of the number eights. I think they both can do it yeah. easily. They both can do it. Um, I think Saka, I think has got a bit more devastation one-on-one to be higher up for longer. And also his final pass is excellent and he can score. He's just a little bit physically more advanced than, than Smith-Rowe, though Smith-Rowe's slightly older. I think Smith-Rowe is really intelligent. He's got He's got the full GPS on. He can see everything all around him he can really interpret the stress of other players and really understand where to be for them, which is really the characteristics of somebody in, in the interior, deeper side, part of your team. I think as he develops his body, I think it's going to be so interesting to see what he, what he becomes. Mm. I think he's a 10. He's one of the double 10s, if you see what I mean, at the moment, where he can run in behind, he can dribble, he can carry, due to the fact he's a winger when he was younger. But when he's in the middle of the pitch, he can do that too. You know, he's got a real good pictures around him. So I wonder, this Ruman Neves sort of link, I wonder if that is a nod to a four three three. Um, I haven't thought about that too much. I'm trying to just say, look, he's, he's a four two three one 2 guy. Let's stick with it. But as, we, as these players come in, I think he's going to tell us a lot about what we could be. Mm. The good thing about those young players is they can do a lot of things really, really well. <laughs> and so they are not the problem per se. You know, I think our only issue with them is making sure we don't break them. You know, I think that's yeah. really important. Yeah. We, 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 no, I don't like looking back, but looking back in our recent history, we've broken a few, haven't we? Yeah. We've broken a few. So. Um, the
1: the, the 3 3 thing is interesting because he did give an interview midway through last season and talked very clearly about how his ideal... Um, setup was a 4-3-3 and he said to do that you've got to have players of certain specificity um, which is true but I wonder is it also a, a case that you need players with with variety or variability in certain positions so that you can you can shift certain pieces around and not be as badly affected you know as we were for example this season when we shifted too many pieces around uh, to accommodate or to cope for Tierney's injury, you know, and it, it didn't work. Yeah. And I don't think it was a, a successful ploy in the end. So it will be very interesting. and I'm sure signings will, will tell us that. A couple of quick things um, before we go. Ainsley Maitland-Niles gave an interview mm-hmm. this week to The Telegraph talking about how he wants clarity on, on what's coming next. And I think this is interesting because, you know, the timing of it, you know, they're not even back in preseason training yet. The dust has hardly settled on the season. And there's this very public, um, I mean, he's knocked the ball straight back into, <laughs> into the court of Arsenal slash Arteta or or whoever you want to uh, say is in that, that side of the court, right? It, it yeah. feels like there's an urgency to what he is looking for, looking for answers. Maybe he's not getting uh, his phone calls returned. Maybe he's being told, look, we haven't quite decided what's going on yet. Maybe he knows there's another club out there who's ready and willing to bid for him, etc., etc. But it didn't feel to me like the kind of interview a player gives if he's hoping you know, that that things might work out for him at, at this particular football club. It, it it feels like it's a guy who's putting pressure on to be allowed leave.
2: Yeah, it feels like uh, a guy that's got an agent, that's got the PowerPoint out, and is working out his exit plan for that player. And, mm. um, and I agree with you, even though you didn't quite say it. There are other clubs out there that could potentially be interested. And by getting some clarity from the club, he can start to negotiate with the. Other clubs that's no doubt want to get him. I think I think Ains has done enough to get another Premiership club, mid to table club looking at him, no problem at all. He's, he can obviously can play in multiple positions. I I feel as though he's just trying like many young players today, they're not accepting anything but fast track playing time. They don't want to be Reduced to, um, I call it the Jordan Ibe syndrome, I call it. Mm. Jordan Ibe, a, young, a good young player and basically got moved, didn't really want to go, got moved on, basically not in control of his career, ends up being on the bench, he'd end up nowhere. Right? He's not performing at the right level. People are not going to let that happen anymore. They're not going to fall for the old, I'm going to sign a 10-year contract and then play two games in the Carling Cup and then sit down on their backsides anymore. Mm. They're not falling for that trick, can you? They're not falling for it. They want control. They want guarantees. They want to know their pathway. And if you can't give it to them, they're going to ask for it publicly. You know the fact that Ainsley was on loan wasn't even at the club end of last season. Probably didn't have his end of season meetings. Um, he's come back from his holidays and he said, "Right, let's go. I'm ready to go." Yeah. And it's up to the club to respond. And the club are thinking, "Well, we've got priorities in this club, and the priorities with people with two year contracts." They're not really my priorities at the moment. Once we've one year, I've got to look after them. I've got to make sure I have a protect value or I move them on quicker. They're my priorities because that's where my financial risk is. People on two years who are homegrown, we may just wait a while, will you? And so Angie's probably thinking, well, I'm not going to wait. I want to be settled. I want to be there first day of pre season. What can we get going now? And that's just the public business dynamic mm. we're going to see a lot more of. And again, I said to her earlier, Andrew, we've got to be comfortable with this. It's not comfortable seeing the club sort of drag through the back pages, but more of this is coming because people care about their careers massively. Mm. You know, I always say with uh, footballers, it's like dog years. Just imagine every year is like seven years. You just got to it, it's it, it's massively important. We cannot afford when you're a young player to waste time. It takes a long time to get to the elite level. And you're, you're only there for a short period. And you've got to maximise it. So I see it from the player's side. And the club will respond in time. Mm. And, um, and no doubt he'll find another club for him. And um, and good luck to him. He's been successful for Arsenal. He hasn't cost us anything. He's played 100-plus games. And we'll get our money for him. And we move on. No problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a this is another... For a club like Arsenal right now, with the financial challenges we have, I think this is another little test for Edu or or yeah. Richard Garlic or you know whoever is in charge of doing these negotiations with wherever Ainsley Maitland-Niles ends up. You know, this is a young academy guy who's grown up at the football club, gone on to play 120 odd games, gone on to play for England, helped us win an FA Cup. Yeah. you know this is where it becomes important to maximise what you can get from your academy players some of them won't get you buttons but players like him who get to a certain point and then move on a bit like Alex Iwobi to an extent yeah. you you have to get as much as you possibly can from that because revenue from your academy is going to be hugely important for Arsenal you know
2: I totally agree I totally agree and Probably a, one just as interesting as Joe Willock, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, if you put your the four three three bit back into the conversation and think about what he can do in the four three three, and what he has done recently, he's li- he's literally the Premier League player of the month. I mean, he's mm. he's proven to be that good, and so four three three opens up a career for him that maybe wasn't there beforehand. You know, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. And then you make a choice, don't you? You say, well, you know what? I've got two young homegrown players and I'm going to lose one and I'm going to keep one. And I've got a system here that allows me to get them, get them game time. Yeah. So the three will help some of our younger players keep the distances nice and close, allow them development time. And then we've got to make sure we have the right fours at the top end of the pitch, which I'm sure we will try to we'll get to over the summer. Yeah. But yeah, I think I totally agree with you about the academy and its role. But when there's a moment to move a player on, then you've got to take it you got to take it, and um, I think that's going to happen to anything.
1: I think so. I think the Joe Willock one is 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 not quite as cut and dried. It's, no, it's really not. not. I don't envy them that one. You know, if the big comes yeah. in, like and like realistically, if a big comes in from Joe Willock of thirty million, who's it going to be from? It's probably going to be from a club that's more or less in the same bracket as we are, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's coming from a club that's bigger and better than we are, why are we selling? to that club, you know what I mean? What does that tell us about what we need to do? I'm yeah, not saying I mean, that's what's going to happen, but like if it did, like, for example, everyone's talking about, ooh, Leicester, look at the way they buy players. Look at the way they identify okay. talent. Look at, look at how they do it. They're so smart. They're so clever. We need to do what Leicester do. If Leicester come in with £30 million for Joe Willock, do you not think, hmm, actually, maybe we could find a way to use this guy?
2: I, I raise you Aston Villa. Yeah, so yeah, where yeah. Based sure. Villa, stick him, Grealish, and Brendia behind Ollie Watkins. I'm suddenly not laughing at that anymore. Do you see what I mean? That yeah, looks yeah, pretty yeah, yeah. good, isn't it? That that front four diamond looks nice. And so we have got we've got a job on with Joe Willock. He's got to he's gonna have a good career. No doubt about it. Arsenal or not, he's gonna have a good career if he finds the right technical fit for him. And and if he goes to a club like Villa, Leicester. I mean, this is gonna. Mm. That will hurt. We will feel a sense of loss because we know that systemically they could maybe really use him to their advantage. At Arsenal, we are. We tend to like the Smith Rose and the Sackers a bit more. We understand them technically. We we look at things like past stats and we look at those things. But there's always room for a guy who's a tearaway. who's going to get your goals. You know, may not be technically brilliant. I mean, for many people, Aaron Ramsey's a hero and he was a goal-scoring midfielder. Technically, 50-50, but wow, when the moment came, it's in the back of the net.
1: Twice right? so,
2: in the FA Cup finals. And, uh, <laughs> and um, people will not have a word said against him. right? So people goals are important and we're about 15 to 20 down where we need to be to get where we need to get to. So mm. that decision in Joe Willard is going to be a key one, really. it's
1: Final thing. Um- There's a lot of talk this summer about Arsenal being interested in a centre half. And all the ones we've been linked with so far uh, appear to be right sided central defenders. Yeah. Pablo Marie and Gabriel appear to be the the safe options, the, the, the guys on the left. And we've got Rob Holding. On the right and we 've also got William saliba coming back uh, from loan and and the word is that he is going to be assessed during pre season um, as if you know playing half a season for nice uh, isn 't something we should be assessing but look i 'm sure i 'm <laughs> sure they 're taking that into account Absolutely. can we in a season when we 're um, looking to trim the squad a little because we we can't have the kind of bloat we had last season with 30 odd players in the squad particularly as we don't have Europe etc cetera, etc cetera. we're looking for a smaller core of players can we have five central defenders and if we're going to bring in a right-sided center half and I know it's very early and we're dealing in the realms of speculation what does which one do you think is going to suffer because of that. Is it gonna be Rob Holding who signed a new deal last season, or is it gonna be William Saliba over whom there appear to be quite a number of, of doubts? I mean, I, I I I like Holding in that I think he's a he's a really decent backup central defender. That's the the yeah. level of backup central defender we need. What we need is the guy who can take us to the next, well, central defenders don't necessarily take you to the next level unless they're you know Van Dijk and you know there was a Van Dijk was like the icing on the cake to a certain extent with, with Liverpool. You know what I mean? But yeah, um, I do think in basic terms, the right-sided centre half is an area that is open to improvement, and it would help us considerably if we could get uh, a really good player in there. So, do, do you worry a little bit about Saliba and what what our pursuit of another defender might mean this summer?
2: I do and there are some rumours that I can just brush off and, and there are some that really concern me because when we bought this player we become invested because we've actually bought him right so um, mm. so we YouTube him to death and we see this guy just looking wonderfully Rolls royce like and what's not to like then he comes to us doesn't quite make it um, really hit by injury and COVID and maybe not being in the right condition we mess up his loan we mess up our relationship with him he goes out on does really, really well. Now, for me, he should come back. He's got three years of his contract left, he should come back and he should play. But I suppose when you read the words he's gonna be assessed, mm. it, I I'm not feeling the love, Andrew. I'm not feeling it. You know? No. I'm not feeling that the club has really put him on a pedestal. Maybe maybe they don't want to. I don't know what it is. And I think he's got a style of play where if he plays well we will not be able to see anything else. He just got he just looks so smooth, so good, so composed. He receives the ball, carries the ball. He's exactly what we need on paper. You have your central defensive block in you know, a Gabrielle, somebody's a yeah. man on man, Keown style player, really tight, really aggressive. And the other guy's got to be a possession center back. And David Louise played that role. We flipped him over from left to the right. And he's the ability to switch play, carry the ball out. Not so much carrying when he's a bit older, but he used to carry the ball out when he was younger. And he's got to be comfortable in possession. He builds our play, and we all know that's really important to how we build up now. Saliba has got outstanding passing statistics, and he—he's on paper, he is it.
3: Mm.
2: But some somebody somewhere, I'm just getting the feelings that he's not as loved by people inside the club who make these technical decisions as he is by most of the fans, and. um so I'm hoping he comes back from preseason, this time in the right condition. When you're on holiday, mate, don't get the extra chips. Just sit there. Just do get get the get, get the, salad, the salad. Come back <laughs> come, don't do what I do. Get the salad. Come back in shape. And really, really make sure you're winning all the races in preseason and you can't be ignored. Mm. And that's what you've got to do as a pro. You've got to say, okay, I see what you're saying. I'm going to come back this year and I'm going to show you lot. And I'm hoping that's what he does and we get a chance to see him in pre-season and we can all assess him playing with the first team, which mm. we have not seen. And he's been two years an Arsenal player. I mean, that's incredible, really. Yeah. So let's see him playing with the first team. Let's see how he looks. And that assessment should be really quick with him because he's not a little flower he can't miss. You know, he, he's going to be something very special one way or the other yeah. yeah i really believe that
1: yeah it's a make or break summer for him um yeah you know a make or break summer for a lot of people actually associated with Arsenal. but whatever happens whoever comes and whoever goes the one constant is us guys the fans so we'll be here talking and listening and listening and talking and all the rest of it as ever it's a pleasure clive thanks very much
2: hey thanks for asking me on mate
1: Thank you very much indeed to Clive. You can find him on Twitter at Clive PAFC. That is at Clive PAFC. And you can listen to him more on the Arsenal Vision podcast as well. You can check that out at arsenalvisionpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. That's just about that for this week there's not been much going on there isn't much to finish out the show with I will tell you that over on Patreon there's a brand new episode of the podcast Waffle in which James and I answer questions about anything and everything except for Arsenal lots on the agenda both of us for example trying to do American accents Uh, James tries to pronounce some Irish names does quite well with them in fairness we ask what was there before the big bang and lots more Uh, you can check it out at patreon.com com forward slash arse blog your support there of course is hugely appreciated and thank you very much indeed for that thanks very much indeed as well for being here with us as always as well hope you enjoyed the show james and i'll be here on monday with an arse cast extra until then have yourselves a great weekend enjoy the euros and we will catch you on the next one bye-bye forgot that bit
0: Oh, it's also very exciting. I
3: know what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. It's really, really exciting. Okay, so Edu, who's the technical director, he is in Portugal. You know who else is in Portugal? That's right. That player is in Portugal. But are they in the same place? Maybe, maybe not. But I looked at the picture posted by his agent on the Instagram. And on the Instagram, there's a tree in the background. And if you zoom into Edu's picture, there is a tree that looks exactly, almost exactly the same as that tree. So if they are in the same place, the same location, chances are that they're there to have a meeting. Now, on top of all that, we know that the player has just got a tattoo, the big number one on his arm. So, what is the first letter of the alphabet? A. One, A. What starts with A? Arsenal. One, A, Arsenal it's also very exciting really really very exciting and I tell you another thing that makes us think that this is a thing that's going to happen I was sleeping at the airport last week because why not to sleep in the airport you never know who you might see coming through the airport and lots of people came through the airport there was a flight which came from the exact city of the club that this player plays in to can you guess that's right, to London. Now, somebody told me that there's a flight every day. More than one flight every day, in fact. But it's too much of a coincidence when you take into the tattoo with the 1A. One 1A. One a for Arsenal. And Edu and the three. It's all happening and I swear I think this is going to be the biggest transfer of the summer. What do you think? Well, I'm thinking, uh, who the fuck are you? And how would you get into my house? Can you untie me now, please? Eh, uh, no, no. I don't think I will do that because, uh...